Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Happy Father's Day. Well, good morning. Welcome to the second week of our series entitled Church Trademark. Uh, This series is about trademarks of the church. Do you know what they are? Uh, Last week, Armin talked about one of the trademarks. He said one of them is being spirit-empowered, and today we're going to add a twist to that same topic. Today our topic is spirit-empowered service. And this is an important lesson to me personally because one of my spiritual gifts is service. Very simply, spiritual gifts are abilities given by God to help meet the needs around us. It has a lot to do with the definition of ministry. I remember when I was a young Christian, I didn't grow up in the church, and so I just received Christ, and I went on a missions trip to New Jersey, and one of the other college students said to me, hey, Mark, how's the ministry? And I was like, what? What is that? That's how unchurched I was. That was literally the first time I'd ever heard the word. I didn't know what it was. And since then, I've come to understand that ministry consists of two things. Number one, when a need is presented, when a need is apparent. Secondly, when the ability to meet that need is connected and the two come together, that's ministry. And that's really the magic of the small groups that we have in the church. We call them life groups because here right now, although I can see all of you, uh, to be honest, I don't really know what's going on today, this week. I don't really know what the needs are. But when you get together in a small group of three or four or more, you have a chance to talk and find out what's going. Now, the need can come out in the open. And the person who's there, if they have a certain spiritual gift to meet that need, can respond, and that's ministry. When the ability to meet the need is there to satisfy that need, that's ministry. And when I was... um, you know, just a young Christian, I was learning about the, the gift of service. I, I learned that it's, it's different from the gift of helps. Gift of service is when a person is motivated to help the church at large, the church overall. The gift of helps is somebody who's motivated to come alongside an individual and to help that person. So, for example, the person with the gift of helps would be the kind of person who might walk you out to the parking lot uh, and help you carry something and get you situated in your car and make sure you're okay and wish you a good day. And, and, and that would be an example of the gift of helps. The gift of service is more mindful of the church at large. And so uh, that's something that I enjoy doing. You'll notice sometimes when I pray, I pray for the church on Guam, not just life in the sun. Um, I enjoy being involved in island-wide activities for all the churches, like the National Day of Prayer and organizing those. That comes out of this gift of service. I love God's church. I love to serve God's church. But in the spiritual battle of life, the enemy can take even a good thing, like a spiritual gift from God, very simply, a spiritual gift is an ability given by God to meet the needs around you. But the enemy can take even that and twist it so that it no longer becomes life-giving, but it becomes life-draining. One of, the tools, one of the tools that the enemy uses is fear. And so as a younger Christian, I struggled with the fear of rejection. 
I was concerned about what other people would think. And I was motivated to try and please people for acceptance. And so here is my gift of service, but it's totally misused because the enemy has twisted this motivation within my heart. And so now I'm working hard to please everybody, my mom, my dad, then I become a Christian, now the church. And by the time I was 40 years old, I was burnt out. And it was bad. I thought I was going to go on a vacation after two weeks of rest. Maybe I'll be okay. After two weeks, I still didn't want to do anything. Burnout is like taking a rubber band and stretching it. And you know, it doesn't go back to its original size. It kind of stays a little bit bigger than it was. It loses its elasticity. And, and burnout can change you. It can change your makeup. It can stretch you to a point where you're not the same anymore. And so I rested for two weeks. I still didn't want to do anything. Three weeks, four weeks, five weeks went by. Still didn't want to do anything. It took me six months to heal from the burnout that took 40 years in play. Pleasing people. And so my, my spiritual gift was totally misused. Instead of being led by the Spirit of God, I was being led to try and please people. All of this led me to burnout. Praise God that he healed me from the fear of man. Nothing's too difficult for him. Most of the things I do are still the same. What's changed is me. The motivation for why I do what we do. And now I'm freer to be led by God, to be led by a love for God, to join God in what he's doing. And there is tremendous fulfillment in that. One of my favorite things about ministry is when I'm with somebody and they're connecting with God and God is ministering to them and I'm joining God in what he's doing and their heart is touched and their heart is changed. And I'm like, man, there isn't anything better than to be used by God. And you know when God's the one doing it, it's not a burden. It's not hard. It's actually easy when we learn the dance to step out of the way and let God be able to minister to somebody's heart. It's an amazing thing. One word from God and a person is changed. So we need to grow in our understanding and experience of life in God's kingdom so that your service is life-giving to everyone, including you, your spouse, your kids your family, your church family, even your community. So let's take a moment and ask God that he would use his word to help us be fine-tuned to his ways. Let's pray. Father, thank you that your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And you are able to divide deep within the thoughts and the motivations of the heart God, I ask that you would take your word and let it be a light that goes to places that we didn't even know existed. Lord, that shows us things that we had no awareness of. Lord, that will reveal truth that sets free. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week, Armin talked about being spirit-empowered. Today, we'll see that one of the results of being spirit-empowered is the ability to serve God and people. It's found in Acts chapter 6. We're going to read the first eight verses. Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists, these are the Greek-speaking believers, arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. 
And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out among you seven men of good repute, men who have a good reputation, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit, and Philip and Prochorus and Nicanor and Timon and Parmenas and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. And they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. So imagine this. The church explodes on day one. 3,000 believers. Imagine the leaders scrambling to try and meet all the needs of this instant church. And they realize they need help. And so they choose seven men. They present it to the whole group. They say, choose seven men among you. Verse 5 says, this pleased everyone in the whole gathering. So they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and the other six. And imagine you're being chosen as one of the people to help lead and to serve in this church. And it's an amazing church. 3,000 people on the first day. Imagine just everything, all the activity, all the life that's happening, the excitement of the amazement of something new. And the leaders are just being inundated with all, this, all these needs, all these things that are going on. I mean, somebody comes up to a leader and says, you know what, my mom's not feeling well. Can you pray for her? Yeah, sure. Well, there's one thing. She can't get out of bed. Can you come to our house? Another person comes to them and says, you know, this is great. Are we going to meet again? By the way, is this going to be a regular thing? And everybody's trying to figure out, is it? What's happening? Another person comes up and says, you know, we, we got the older people over here. They're asking if they can sit in the shade. So can we, like, shift the whole crowd so that these people can be over here in the shade? In fact, we got some older women who don't have family, and they're asking if we can help them out financially. You guys got something in place for this? Another person says, you know, the city officials came to me. They want to know if you have a permit to meet in this place. Did anybody apply for a permit? Another person comes, you know, we think worship is very important. Would you consider adding a music team to this gathering and what we're doing? Another person pulls a leader to the side. She's a mom. She's got three kids, seven years old, five years old, two years old. What are we going to do with the kids? Do you have something for the kids? Another person, he's gifted in foresight. He says, you know what, brother? Winter is coming. What's your long-term building plan? And so all the, can you imagine all this stuff is happening? And the leaders recognize they need help. And so the church, they choose seven people. These are great people, men of good reputation. These are people who are filled with the Holy Spirit. And they have wisdom. I mean, these are people, you look at them, you go, man, that is a leader. And so today it might look like this. Someone in the church sends you a text message. So you're checking WhatsApp one day. And lo and behold, it's Marion, the church administrator. And she says, hey, uh, your name came up recently. Yes, we were talking behind your back. And uh, everybody was talking about how, you know, everybody likes you. 
and, um, and you love God so much, and uh, we, we just noticed how you know how to handle difficult situations, and we were wondering, would you be willing to be a volunteer in the church? And so you're almost like, hey, wow, thanks, appreciate that. Uh, yeah, how can I help? What do you need? Well, uh, we were wondering if you're available to help feed some of the elderly women at one of our community centers. It's an everyday thing. How would you feel? How would you respond? Or what if she said, are you available to meet new people? Maybe take them out to lunch, talk to them about their relationship with God using a little booklet we have called One to One. What if she said, we need somebody to do manual labor? You know, some general cleaning around the church, some minor repairs. How would you respond? This is the kind of situation that these seven men were selected for. And one of the marks of spirit-empowered service is serving humbly. Am I willing to do anything to help around my house, to help around God's house, to help at your place of work? Are you willing to do anything? I was talking to a friend recently. He was telling me about interviews for a job that he got. I said, so you didn't have the background in the job. Why did they select you? He said, well, the other interviewees, the boss said, would you be willing to go get me a cup of coffee if I asked you? And the other said no. He was the only one who said, yeah, I'll get you a cup of coffee. He got the job, a very good job. By the way, she happens to be a very good boss who needs coffee. <laughs> Am I willing to do anything to help around my house, to help around my church, or my place of work. You know, when we first moved into this building, the annex next door where we have the office, it was in very poor condition. And a team of people just gathered together, pulled together and renovated that annex over there. By the way, if you were one of those people, I just want to publicly thank you for all the time and the effort. I mean, they did a great job. You should have seen what it looked like before. And uh, we had architects and drywall people and plumbers and electricians and painters. It was wonderful. But one of the things that was kind of left undone after we all moved into the office, the staff came to me and they said, hey, Pastor Mark, we need a new toilet. I was like, really? I, I thought it was working. What's wrong with the toilet? Well, you don't know this, but there's galvanized piping going over to the annex and it's rusting on the inside. And so the water gets rusty and it sits inside the toilet and it colors the toilet bowl. And so it's like this really rusty color that's been there like for years. And they're like, the toilet, it's stained. We need a new toilet. And I'm like, hmm, um, let me try something. So I go in there. I thought maybe using the proper chemicals and stuff, maybe it'll come out. Sure enough, pure white. So later, the secretary comes to me and she goes, Pastor Mark, did you do that? I was like, yeah. So am I willing to do anything? Clean toilets. Pastor Larry from Every Nation Singapore, he was telling me this story. His very first church when he was a young pastor, they hired him. He was so excited. If you know Pastor Larry, he's got a powerful gift of prophecy. He's a preacher at heart, and he couldn't wait to get up there and, and give God's word. And one of his first responsibilities at his new church, they said, you are going to clean the bathrooms. 
He was like, what? Man, he was complaining in his heart. You want me to do what? You know, he's cleaning the bathrooms. Man, this is not what I signed up for. Who do I think I am? But you know, God spoke to his heart. And he humbled himself. And he decided, you know what? I'm just going to worship God and I'm going to give thanks while I do my job. And he began to sing under his breath and hum in his heart and whistle and just singing worship songs. And he just began doing that as he was doing his work there at the church. And people began to notice his attitude. They were blessed by it. Cleaning toilets. Sometimes God will put you in a situation just to develop your servant's heart. Later, God released him from that role. Today, he has a growing church where God is doing amazing things. He travels all over Asia, ministering to people, using the gift, the spiritual gift that God has given him. One of the marks of spirit-empowered service is serving humbly. Secondly, notice how these seven men served by the power of the Spirit. Acts chapter 6, verses 5 and 8. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Skipping down to verse 8. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. So how do we be involved in spirit-empowered service? Two things. There's many things, but two things I'll highlight for today's purpose. Number one is the importance of surrender. The kingdom of self is opposed to relying on God. Have you ever noticed the kingdom of self is opposed to relying on God alone? Have you ever noticed how... Have you, ever, have you ever tried to fix a problem? And you tried everything that you could possibly think of. Have you noticed how we do everything that we can? And then, and then if we still come to a dead end, then we pray. And then we turn to God. Our first instinct is to trust in self. I've done it a thousand times. Surrendering our, self-suffic- our self-sufficiency is very difficult. It's one of the hardest things that you will attempt to do in the journey with God. You know, when I received Christ, I was 20 years old. Three years later, I was praying about attending a conference in Kansas City with 17,000 college students. And I was willing to raise the money, I was willing to work for it and trust God for the results. And later, our campus leader came up to me and he said, somebody bought your ticket, they bought your airfare from Hawaii to Kansas City. And to this day, I don't know who did that. Maybe I'll find out when I get to heaven. So I went to Kansas City, 17,000 students in the middle of winter. It was freezing. I mean, bitter cold. I would run from building to building, being an island boy. But I get inside there, And the President of the United States welcomes all of these students by video. I tell you, that got my attention. I was like, whoa, we're talking big time here. And then one of the speakers was Billy Graham. And I really don't remember most of his message, but I can 
I can never forget one thing that he said. He said, um, there's a lot of you here. You've already invited Christ into your life. But some of you need to make a decision about letting him be Lord of your life, <clears throat> about letting him be the center, about letting him be the priority, about letting him be God. And so he challenged us, if you are willing to make that commitment, I want to invite you to stand here now. And I could not believe what happened. Most of the people around me stood up. And I was sitting there going, what? What are you guys doing? You're crazy. Do you realize you're giving up your life? That's how unrenewed my mind was. You guys are insane. And I walked away from that conference going, Gosh, but I tell you what, for three days, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't rest. I was wrestling in my heart. Something was going on. And after three days, I said, uncle, and I gave in to God, and I said, God, you are Lord, and I surrender to you. Learning to surrender is not an easy thing. But if you want to serve in the power of the Spirit, you've got to stop trusting in self and trust in God alone. <clears throat> if you want to serve in the power of the Spirit, surrender to Jesus as Lord. Secondly, you need a revelation. You need a revelation that God cares about you and that He loves you deeply. The more you experience God's love, the more you will fall in love with him. Every sin I walk away from is because I love God more than the sin. When your love for God is greater than your love for whatever, you fill in the blank. Everybody's got a different struggle. Fill in your own blank. When, you, when your love for God is greater than that, then God himself will replace whatever substitute you have been turning to. You know, my very first Bible study, <clears throat> I think I was a sophomore in college. I'm in the dorm at the University of Hawaii. The guy who's discipling me, John Wadley, he challenges me to have a Bible study. And so I find two guys in my dorm, they're brothers, surfers, bleached hair, party-type people, I said, hey, you guys want to have a Bible study? They're like, yeah, okay, we'll have a Bible study. And so we're a couple weeks into it, and we're, this week we're talking about how to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we open up to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, which says, don't get drunk with wine, that's a dead-end road, but be filled with the Spirit. Now the topic is how to be filled with the Holy Spirit, so I'm assuming they're going to understand what this verse is about. And I said, so, okay, so what is God saying to you through this verse? They said, uh... Don't get drunk. I was like, well, yeah, but we're trying to get to the next step. But that's where they were at. And I can relate to that. I'd been there as a non-Christian. I lived that life way back in the party days. If you could pop it, smoke it, drink it, inhale it, you name it, we did it. But when I invited the Holy Spirit into my life, I had a better high. It's called the love of God. You need a revelation, or you need another revelation, 
or you need a deeper revelation that God cares for you and that he loves you. And the more you experience God's love, the more you fall in love with him. We love because he first loved us. You will have the right position and you will have the right condition to be empowered by his spirit when you surrender and love him with all your heart. Another sign of being spirit-empowered, of spirit-empowered service is serving sacrificially. We're going to move on to verse 59 in Acts chapter 7. This is the rest of the story with Stephen. As they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Stephen was stoned to death after he boldly presented the gospel to the Jewish council of elders. This is the same council that put Jesus on trial. His willingness to serve God went way beyond waiting on tables. He served faithfully, declaring and demonstrating the gospel even to death. He served with his entire life, holding nothing back. You know, I can imagine what the church felt when this happened. I can imagine the trauma and the shock that took place when one of their leaders was killed. You know, it was hard enough in our church when last year one of our leaders passed away. But imagine if, if a person was murdered. And imagine if it wasn't just some random drive-by shooter, but imagine if it was some sub-government, the government of the city, sanctioned this and was behind it. I imagine they were just in shock and traumatized. How could God possibly use a situation like that to work together for good? Well, in the big picture, we know from reading the rest of Scripture, there was a religious leader who was standing there. And you know, when the people were about to stone Stephen, it says they took off their jackets and their cloaks. You know, when you're about to get in a fight and you're going to do something violent, you want to get free as possible because we're about to throw down. And they took all, like a gang leader, they took all their cloaks and jackets and they put it at this guy. And he's standing there endorsing the whole thing. And you know who that person was? His name was Saul, who later became Paul. You know who else was standing there? Jesus. Stephen said, I see heaven open and Jesus standing there at the right hand of the Father. Jesus is also standing there, also showing approval to Stephen. That's an amazing contrast. On the one hand, you have evil. On the other hand, you have love. And what in the world is going on? God, in the bigger picture of his long-term plan, knows that one day, the same Jesus that Stephen saw and testified, Paul was there, Saul at the time, he was there, he heard what Stephen said. And, and Saul would hear that same voice and one day see that same face. And God would transform him to become one of the greatest leaders in the church, one of the main authors of the entire New Testament. 
How could God take a situation like that and use it together for good? At the time, I think the church had no idea. In fact, it went from bad to worse. It was shortly after that a persecution broke out in Jerusalem. And the believers scattered, all except the apostles. They began to go everywhere, sharing the gospel. And then, even Paul, when he became a leader in the church, he was going through a difficult time. He said, I was suffering from a thorn in the flesh. He later reveals that actually it was a messenger from Satan. And he asked the Lord to remove it three times. And the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you. There are three things that we need to be spirit-empowered. There are three things that we need for spirit-empowered service. Number one, we need to serve humbly. We need to serve by the power of the Spirit. In order to do that, we need to surrender and we need a revelation of God's love. And lastly, we need to serve sacrificially. And after that, we trust God for the results. It may not look like what you're hoping it to look like, whatever is going on in your circumstances, but believe me, looking at that situation with Stephan, God can take any situation and use it to work together for good in the long-range plan of the kingdom of God. One of the best things you can do when we walk out of this building today, we all know there's going to be a lot of demands and challenges competing for your attention. One of the best things that we can do to practice all three, serving humbly, serving by the power of the Spirit, and serving sacrificially, one of the best things you can do is get plugged in to a small group. I started out earlier this morning talking about, I don't know what's happening with you today. I don't know what's happened during this last week. I don't know what the needs are. But when you get together in a small group, Jesus said, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, I'm there with them. And when you get together and you start talking and sharing and able to express the need, and a person is able to use the gifting and the experiences and the wisdom and the word of God that he's given them to be able to meet that need, ministry happens. That's where the magic is, is in the small groups. I'm glad you're here. I encourage you to invite your friends and family, as many as possible, to come. We'll go to two or three services if we needed to. But more important than this is getting plugged into a small group where you can connect with people and make some friends that you can trust and share your heart with and watch what God will do. It'll be amazing. Amen? Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, that there is something much greater. Father, thank you that you have an assignment for each one of us that is an adventure that is both difficult and yet amazing. And God, we are here before you today and asking you, Lord, what does that look like for me? Lord, what are you saying to me? What is my assignment? What is my next step? And if you would prayerfully turn your attention to God, if you would 
take some time to do business with God. Just want to give the Lord time to bring this home in your heart. Just say, God, what is it that you're trying to teach me? What is it that I need to do? And take your time. There's no hurry. We want to hear from God. That's part of being spirit-empowered. Once you hear from him, if you will surrender and obey out of your love for God, you will be amazed how he will take your obedience and make it more than you even imagined. And so, Father, we are here in your presence. Lord, we are listening and watching. God, we are asking that by the enabling, by the power of your spirit, that you would allow us to be able to follow you, to hear your voice and follow you and respond to what it is that you're revealing. And so God, have your way. Would you complete the work that you began? If you would keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I'd like to address another group of people here today. As you're listening to me talk about a relationship with God, this is something that you've been thinking about lately. In fact, you're searching. That's why you're here today. It's not just to go to church, but you're wanting to experience God. And if that describes you, and yet you've never made a conscious decision, to invite him into your life, if you've never made a formal choice to say, yes, God, I want to experience you, I'd like to give you a chance to do that. It's real simple. The most important thing is that you're saying, yes, this is what I want. And then after that, expressing it to God in prayer. What I'll do is I'll pray out loud. You can just pray along with me. God will hear you. But before we pray, I'd like to know who I'm praying with, and I have a signal for that which is if you would simply look up when my eyes meet yours and I'll know that we're going to pray together. And so if this describes you, if you would like to say yes to God and, and express that in a prayer now, go ahead and look up and then we'll pray together in a moment. Okay, let's pray. Father, I'm sitting here today and I'm saying yes to you. I'm choosing to open my life to you. I invite you to come into my life. I ask you to show yourself to me. And I ask you to forgive me for the things I've done that I'm not proud of. Things I've done to hurt myself and others. And Lord, I ask you to forgive me through Jesus, your son. I thank you for him. And I receive Jesus into my life now. And if you're praying this prayer, take a moment by faith to invite the Spirit of God, His Spirit of forgiveness into your heart, into the innermost part of your being. He's been waiting for this moment and He's here to be with you and to be in your life. And Father, I thank you for hearing me, seeing me, my openness, and I invite you in. And I ask that you would change me, transform me, Make me the kind of person you want me to be. And I ask that you would reveal yourself to me. Show me your presence. Father, reveal your love. Allow me to be transformed 
by your love. And I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.